Welcome to Bulls and Boudoirs. I'm Benny Bonsu, and this week I am pleased to introduce or welcome one of my good friends. He gets on my nerves sometimes. He really does. <laughs> but he's also one of the nicest people I've met in 2017, 2018. And he's on Bulls and Boudoirs because he's got an amazing story. And I want you guys to get to know him because so often I get a lot of people that say, Benny, you never interview British basketball players. We don't know who plays in it. You're always talking to NBA players. So I'm not. Today, I'm talking to a BBL star, Gerald Robinson on the Balls and Boudoirs. Gerald, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So, you've had a whole season in London. True, true. How has it gone for you? Uh, it's gone good. Uh, we started off a bit slow uh, as a team and uh, picked it up in the second half. And uh, it's, uh, it's been a good season. We just lost in the playoffs, actually, to Glasgow um, on the road. But uh, it's been a good season. Well, we're going to come back to that later on because... We're going, we want to talk through your journey over the years and how you've ended up playing in a BBL. Okay. But I want you to tell me about yourself. Who are you? Where did you grow up? What was it like for you growing up? And how did your journey become a basketball journey? Okay. So um, I was born in Amsterdam, uh, Holland, in the Netherlands. Um, my father was a basketball player. He was an American basketball player who met my mother uh, in Europe. So that's how uh, I kind of, you know, my father, he put to say the basketball in my crib. Um, so to say. And um, yeah, that's how I got started with basketball. And then when I was seven, we moved, seven or eight, seven turning eight, we moved to Los Angeles. And uh, I grew up in Los Angeles and, you know, basketball is a big big in the culture there. I grew it's up. dangerous out there, though. Yeah, it's dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely dangerous. But yeah, so I grew up playing in the streets and um, <clears throat> just like every other kid, we play outside. That's, you know, that's how we you learn to play basketball in America, and then you transition into organized basketball. So that's how I started playing basketball. And, um, yeah, one day, I, my story is a little different than everyone else because I didn't play AAU basketball. I only played one year of high school basketball. What's AAU for the ones that don't know what it is? I'm going to drop off. What is that? So AAU is basically like a travel travel teams. You go around playing different teams while you're still in high school. And um, a lot of kids do that and go to high school. Um but yeah, I didn't play. I didn't play AAU basketball. I only played one year of high school basketball uh, for different reasons. And um, one day uh, when I was 19, I just walked into a, a junior college and I told him, "Hey, I want to play." And he, you just walked into a college and said you wanted to play basketball. Yeah, I've all, I always was skilled. But I never took his. I always loved and had a passion for the game, but for different reasons, I was things I was into at that point in my life. I didn't take basketball serious, and what I mean by serious is I didn't dedicate myself to my craft 100%, and it's still one of my regrets in life is that I didn't take basketball serious, maybe from the age of 13 on, like most Why kids. Why didn't you take it seriously, though? Yeah. Didn't you think it was going to take you anywhere? No, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say that. It was just I was into other things at that point in my life and kind of went the, down the wrong path for a while, and... Um, you know, I got, I, 
as I got older, you know, I, I kind of seen things clear and had a different understanding of things and knew I didn't want that any any longer. And we moved from the from Los Angeles to the South, and I just walked into the junior college and I said, Coach, I want to play. And you know, he looked at me. Was, I was six eight. You know, he gave me a shot. So it sounds like a movie, right? It sounds like I was growing up. I didn't take it really seriously. I walked into a college, I told the coach to give me a chance, he gave me a chance, and then I started playing. Yeah. So this coach takes a chance on you. Yeah. He says, play. Yeah, then yeah. what happens? Yeah, like I said, I just walked in, and uh, from there, he taught me what what worth ethic is, what, um, you know, uh, applying myself uh, 100% in school. Um, there was times I didn't take school serious as well as a, as, you know, as a kid, and it was just about applying myself. So he taught me a lot about character, uh, a lot of things off the court, more and more so things off the court than than on the court. But we had two good coaches there that really, you know, I'm really thankful. I believe um, it takes a village to raise a boy, and they really, you know, I really. You learned think that. they took the father role with you when you walked Definitely. in and said I wanted to play? Not more so. A father, he was a father figure to all of us in a sense, um, because a lot of us didn't grow up with fathers, like I did it. So, um, yeah, it was more so of him just. You know, he, he also led by example, but he did impute a lot of things in us and told us a lot of things and different things and about worth ethic and how to work. And that's when I really, you know, a lot of these kids, they don't, no one told me when I was young, you know, to be as good as this person, you have to do this, this, and that. When you're a kid, sometimes you just figure they just got to be that good by, you know, but it, it doesn't work like, great. yeah, it doesn't work like that. So a lot of people like vision. and. That's probably what it was. So he just taught us how to do it. And from that on, I kind of fell in love with working hard and um, building my craft and working. So you in school? Yeah. You play how many years in school? Uh, I did two years in junior college. Mm-hmm. Um, junior college, which can be even tougher than Division One. I. I got to Division One, and it was more so easy because, to be fair, like junior college is basically just in America, it's all the bad kids who didn't have the grades to go to Division <laughs> One and yeah. could really play, you right, know. So right. it was real tough. So mm-hmm. personally, when I got to Division One, I, I was in the sense of this is, you know, in a sense easier for me. But um, yeah, I went from I did two years of junior college, graduated, and then went to went to uh, Division One. You went to the University of Tennessee. Tennessee Martin, yeah. Right, and then what happens from there? Tell yeah. me about your whole journey at that university. You go in there. Your superstar, Gerald. <laughs> <laughs> and then what happens? What yeah, so I, I get there. Um, uh, it was, uh, I think, a, a couple first couple months it was kind of tough because uh, they had six seniors that was a, a, a ahead of me, but I was a, a junior college transfer, so I kind of had to kind of outwork them to um, uh, to kind of get that starting position. And once I got on, you know, I kind of d- did well and excelled. and. Um, yeah, from then I went o- o- overseas. So college taught me a lot too. Uh, working out with um, uh, different players, we had one, one one guy who got drafted, and you know, me and him would just, we would sit down and work out 3 a.m. in the morning. And mm-hmm. we got times that he would, you know, my ex girlfriend would be like, well, "Were well, you guys, you know, 3 a.m. Mm-hmm. We would still be in the gym shooting." But mm-hmm. yeah, that's what, those are the type of things I think it takes at that level to be able to move on to the next level. But when you were playing in college, where you was your father at that point? Still playing ball or wasn't playing ball at that time? At that time, my father. Um, at that point, when I was in college, I hadn't spoken to him probably for um, by four years. I hadn't spoken wow. to him. Yeah. So before. Why that, haven't you spoken to him? Yeah, yet? I mean, you know, my father was he was in and out of my life, and I think uh, that's one of the things that drove me at that point as well. Because when I was 18, I was living with my father in Amsterdam. Um, I went. I was going 
when I was 15, I lived a year in Amsterdam. When I was 18, I lived a year in Amsterdam with him. And when I was 18, he kind of just, he didn't want to take care of me anymore. So I was like, I went back to my mother and that's when I was like, I'm going to take basketball serious. And that's when I did. So Did you feel I, like you had a point to prove that you can make something out of yourself? Well, I, I, what I learned, I just channeled negative energy into positive energy and to mo- help me, mo- it did help me motivate and me want to be a better basketball player or just uh, be successful in life. So, you know, that's that's how I use that that energy. So uh, I hadn't spoken to him for a couple, uh, maybe about three, three, four years I hadn't spoken to him. And then he did call me out the blue because he had cancer. So, and that's when that's I spoke sad. to him again. Yeah. So you don't speak to him for four years. He gets cancer. He calls you. But yeah. at this point, your focus has changed. Yeah. You want to play ball. You want to make something out of yourself. Yeah. And then you get a call and your dad says, I've got cancer. Yeah, what yeah. happens? Does that yeah. throw you off your focus? or? It at that point, like I, would, I was such a hard individual that it really didn't, it didn't bother me at that point, to be honest. But it was... I think he called me out of the blue because I, I had a good game against a local team. I believe, uh, what's the team that was? Because he's from Baltimore. Mm-hmm. And I played well against the team. And then he called me. Like, I see you had a good game. And I, at that point, I had spoken to him for probably like four years. So I kind of I kind of ignored it and um, kind of stayed, of course, what I was doing. And then once I went overseas, we got back in touch. And then that's when I spoke to him again. And I went and seen him. You know, I went and seen him in, um, up in Baltimore. And then we kind of, you know, kind of built that relationship back up. So so you, you come overseas and your first team is in Spain. And I know when you go to Spain and you're not playing in a top league, it can be tough. I remember yeah. going out there maybe eight years ago um, and I went to see Ja Flo and Jeff Palmer. Yeah. And they were playing in like Division 2 or 3 in yeah. Spain. and. They had a car that had like a busted window with a plastic bag covering it. Yeah. And uh, I was staying in the apartment and their bed had like, <laughs> they had no like planks in a bed. It just had a mattress. It was just a shit shambles. Yeah. So what was it like for you coming from America wanting to be a pro player and you end up in Spain and you're not playing in a top league. Yeah. You're in Spain and you're like, yeah. is this what professional basketball is? Yeah. What yeah, was yeah. it like for you? Well, to, yeah, but for me, my situation there was 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 pretty was really good actually. I, have, I, mean, I had a pretty good house. Uh, the team was good. Car that really wasn't the issue at all. It was more so um, yeah, me not going to the top league initially. I didn't know much. Like I told you, I didn't start playing basketball until I was uh, seriously mm-hmm. until I was like eighteen, nineteen. Mm-hmm. Um, so growing up, I didn't even hang around basketball players when I was fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen. I didn't. The guys I would play with in the street, but I mean, my good friends weren't basketball players. I grew up around even, there's a couple NBA players that, you know, that come from my area, from my section that I know. But I didn't grow up around basketball players, and I wouldn't even, at that point in my life, I wasn't as social, so I wouldn't even network and ask you people. You were not social, Gerald? Nah, at that point Jesus in my life, Christ. I wasn't. So I wouldn't even engage or ask people different questions over, how did you, how did this happen? So, um... At that point, when after college, um, I didn't know much about going overseas or, or how to go about picking different agents. So I just picked one, kind of, you know, he was, I was helping you get an NBA and get some NBA workouts, and I kind of fell for that more so than at that time his, um, his uh, network. You know, you got to look at different agents and have a good network and know people. That wasn't I didn't know much about it, so that's how I ended up in Spain. Um, and I, at that point, I didn't have a Dutch passport either. Mm-hmm. Uh, which uh, could have helped me a lot as well, but um, yeah, that's how I ended up in Spain in in, in, um, in the league that I was in. 
But um, now it was a good situation. It was just I was playing out of position and it wasn't the right fit for me. And um, I, I look back, I had taken probably a different approach. It could have turned out different. They did end up being champions that year. And um, yeah, he, he was a good coach. But at that point, when you coming from America, uh, he was a good coach, but he was what some would call a crazy coach. You know, he was <laughs> a nitpick. You couldn't do anything wrong if you, you know, you had to come focus every day for practice and some. You know, he was real about big on discipline, and he was screaming. And sometimes, if you coming from America, or you don't come from um, structured backgrounds. So those things, people, you, you may look at it. You may That's look at it. Not disrespectful. You may look at it the wrong way. What really these people really want to help you is just sometimes mm -hmm. some people can't. You know, you, you work with kids. So sometimes people just aren't good with. Um, I stare out. I don't scream. I just stare at them. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but no, so you go to you go to Spain. It wasn't the right fit, so you yeah. leave. You end up in Iceland. What no, was that like? Well, first I end up coming to Plymouth. That's so how the London. So you come to Plymouth. Yeah. So you come to England, but yeah. you don't stay in London. You go yeah, Plymouth. somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. How was it like for you in Plymouth? Because you looked like I, you had a ball in Plymouth, like the American <laughs> guy in town. All the girls want to speak to Gerald. Uh, what was that like? Here you go. Here you go. <laughs> Now Plymouth, I did actually enjoy Plymouth. Um, to me, it was a, it was a, it was a, it was a, not too big city, not too small. I kind of enjoyed that, and um, yeah, the people they were there nice. The fans they embraced me. Um, they had a good fan base. Uh, I enjoyed it there. Who at the time was the best player in the BBL for you? At that point, British, British guy. Mm -hmm. that point let me think back and that's back then when like Mike Martin and those guys were playing like I can Mike remember Martin even I think BBO legend I think even you know Drew was there oh my god yeah Sullivan yeah yeah who else can I remember those are the guys that come to my mind at that point yeah. so you in Plymouth you enjoy Plymouth you leave Plymouth yeah you go to Iceland uh yeah, I go to Germany after that, then you Iceland. You go to Germany, then yeah, Iceland. So yeah, tell yeah. me about Germany, then Iceland. <coughs> Germany was um was a right, good situation. Um, uh, I played, I played pretty well. Um, had some the team had a couple money for sponsor problems, but um, because we talked about it on the last podcast with Justin, and we talked yeah. about some players sometimes just make a decision because you think it's the right decision, then you get there, and then you have situations where some players haven't been paid half yeah. the season, and you're still playing because. You don't want to jump ship just yeah. in case you yeah, go yeah, yeah, and yeah. nothing happens. Yeah, and yeah. He shared his story of taking the team to court, yeah, actually yeah. fever court, yeah. and the team then ends up paying him. Yeah, anyway. that's what I had there too. It, so it, it did what the was same. that like for you? Yeah, I mean, it, it was kind of tough because, like you say, you're playing and um, it's kind of sometimes it's the only job I I can hear of sometimes that this even happens, you know. But sometimes players want to stay for stats because they want to build up their resume for next season. But uh, but yeah, it was a it was a situation. But I ended up getting my money, so I wasn't. What's the biggest fear you have as a basketball player playing overseas? The biggest fear. I'm not really a fearful individual, but maybe getting hurt. My, I mean, on the court, was probably my biggest thing. All that other stuff. Uh, but yeah, I think injuries. Yeah, maybe injuries probably would be the best thing. Well, where, where I wouldn't be able to play anymore. Because it's just my passion. This is what I love to do. So um, that, I would probably say that. Okay, so you, you, Iceland, Germany, Netherlands, Cyprus. Yeah. Cyprus. What was that all about? Who, Cyprus? Netherlands and then Cyprus? Yeah, Netherlands, uh, Holland. Uh, 
at that point in my life, I always wanted to play in Holland one year mm -hmm. because, uh, like I said, that's why I, that's why I still have family and um, I had a, we had a good year. I played with a, um, a, a real good coach down there and I learned a lot from him and the style of play. And after that, I went to Cyprus, got a chance to play. Uh, like I said, me and Justin actually, well, he was. Um, so I think did. he played the year before, and yeah. the same he was there on the year mm -hmm. before I was there. He said he had a great situation in, in Cyprus with the team. What was your experience like in Cyprus? Yeah, it was. Um, Cyprus was. Um, uh, I would say unique situation, but it was. We just. I would say the team chemistry at some points wasn't um, as great, but. Everything was nice. I lived like right next to the beach. Uh, it was a nice area. The weather was nice. Uh, we played, uh, you know, Euro Challenge, which was nice. You got to play against different teams around around Europe and experience uh, different competitions. So, uh, yeah, I learned a lot that year. So it was it was nice. What advice would you give to anybody, young people, people ready to go to college, people trying to play overseas, or people looking at going to the NBA? Because in the UK. When young people think about going to play in America, they always think that I'm going to go play in America and I'm just going to end up in the NBA. Yeah. When we both know that that's not true because yeah. people in America don't end up in the NBA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very rare that everybody goes to the NBA. Maybe one in a hundred that gets selected. Yeah. What advice would you give to those young people? Because they think that's the only path when there are so many different ones. Over the years, what have you learned and what do you think you would say to those people? That they have to go to America? Yeah, like what advice would you give to any young person who wants to go pro? Is it only a good idea to go to America or look at other options? Uh, going to America is a good idea. Um, I would say depending on the player, depending on the player and um, in the situation. America is real athletic. You know, you go to college, it's, I would say based on the type of player you're dealing with. But America can definitely be a good place for guys to go develop and uh, and um, and get better. And not, like you say, not so sorry. Go to the NBA. There's only so many. <laughs> there's only People so many spots. Yeah. So, but besides that, going into Europe, it could be a good place. But it's, it's it could also be a good to stay home and uh, you see it with some players here, and or even going like going to Spain to some of the places they have a good academy. Um, yeah, I don't think you always have to go. But my advice would be just to put 100 percent in, in your in, in, in basketball and eating right, working out. It's the worth ethic side of it. I'm big on worth ethic and anything and anything in life. If you apply yourself and you know, definitely you can become pro. But you got you have to apply yourself. How about advice on agents? Because sometimes people sell dreams. Yeah, you know, yeah. people sell dreams. I've I've heard agents go, you know, we can do this, we can do this for you, we can do all of that, and you you're big on it and you yeah. sign up and then you get there and, and it's, yeah. it's not real. I would say on agents, do your homework on the agent and kind of talk to your friends. Maybe you have a friend who's with him or. And kind of see the type of players he has and the roster. Um, I would say that would be my advice. And like you said, yeah. Have you had great agents all along, or have you had any issues with agents? I had a couple. Past? Yeah, yeah, I had a couple. I would say one or two. My, like I said, my first agent. That's when I didn't know about the, the way the um, basketball works. So I kind of just signed an agent who promised me different things, and you know, he um, sold your dreams. Yeah, he kind of. <laughs> yeah, nah, yeah, but a little bit. Yeah, and he because you know he he took us. Flew us out to Philly and put us in the house and worked us out for the whole uh, summer and you know that type of stuff overshadowed his actual um, abilities as an agent. So um, yeah, I would say just you know do your homework on him, talk to different guys and and uh, see the type of uh, network he had.